You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is taking the show on the road back to Taiwan on the Talking Taiwan election tour. And we traveled down to Taichung to meet up in person with political commentator Courtney Donovan-Smith to do some pre-election coverage. We talked about the backgrounds of the three presidential candidates and their running mates, the opposition unity ticket between the Kuomintang and Taiwan People's Party that fell apart, and how at one time it looked like Taiwan's 2024 presidential election could have been a four-way race. But Terry Guo, the founder of Foxconn, withdrew from the presidential race. To learn more about the candidates and their policies, be sure to check out episode 270 with Courtney about the presidential debate. After the election results are in, we will bring Courtney back to share his post-election results analysis with us. Okay, we're here in Taizong, Taiwan with Courtney Dolman-Smith for our first in-person interview in Taiwan during our Talking Taiwan election tour. So welcome to the podcast, Courtney. Yeah, it's great to finally meet you in person. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've just gotten used to your voice and seeing you on Zoom calls. and <laughs> I know, I feel like I already know you. Yeah. <laughs> well, the presidential election is like a week away, so I thought we could talk a little bit about the candidates and where we are right now with all that. And since I don't think I've actually done an episode where I've talked with one of my guests about who the three candidates are and their running mates and so on. So I thought maybe we could talk about a little bit about the backgrounds of the candidates. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Where would you like to start? Uh, well, let's start with number one, right? Number one is uh, Cohen's, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know how much your audience knows about the backgrounds mm -hmm. of the characters, but um, basically, Kuenzo, he was uh, a big force in modernizing Taiwan's um, organ transplant uh, technology and, and systems that they, they applied here. Um, and so he became quite famous in the medical profession. Now, he early on, in the, like in the early 2000s, he would help raise money for Chen Shui-bian. So he was more associated with being pan green. Mm -hmm. So... He built up something of a following for his political views of all things. Yeah. Um, and then in 20, you know, 2014, there was the Taipei mayoral race. Mm -hmm. And he, interestingly enough, he was being courted by the DPP and he had some meetings with them mm -hmm. about running for mayor mm -hmm. of Taipei. Mm -hmm. But he decided in the end to actually run as an independent. So the D the DPP. They had, for a long time, had, had trouble winning uh, Taipei, uh, Taipei City. So they did what's called li rang, which is to step aside for politely. And so it was a head-to-head -head matchup between Kuenzi and the KMT. And he won. And then he repeated that in, in 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, but he only won by a tiny margin. But that time, the DPP ran a candidate as well. Okay. Uh, so it was a three-way race, which he won very narrowly. Um, the KMT candidate, Ding Shouzhong, uh, tried to sue and get, get recounts done. and mm. But in the end, uh, the courts upheld uh, Ke's election. Okay. 
So uh, anyway, so he's built a, a, a kind of a following. Uh, he's very, very popular with younger voters. Mm-hmm. They like his candor, his sort of blunt demeanor. Older voters can't stand him for the most part. <laughs> um, he's also very savvy with, with social media and the TPP, the mm-hmm. Taiwan People's Party mm-hmm. that uh, he now is the chair of. Um, and so basically, at, once he hit the age of 50, his mm-hmm. support just drops off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't talk about the polls, but let's just say yes. Yes. very, very low. Right. And so when was the Taiwan People's Party established? Um, yeah, he founded it in 2019. Okay. Um, and he's been the chairman of the party ever right, since right, it was founded. Right. So it's okay. it's basically it's a little over a four year old party, which mm-hmm. interestingly. They were talking about a, a unity ticket with the KMT. Yes. That actually happened before, a four-year-old upstart party, oh. the People's First Party. Yes. And yes, right. they, you know, and eventually they did come up with a unity ticket with James Song of the People's First Party. Right. He was the vice presidential candidate, but right. that kind of proved to be the beginning of the end of the People's First Party. Right, right. Um, because it was very, it was hard for voters to differentiate between... The KMT and the People's First. Right. So, right, that was the James Song Lianzhen ticket. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they also the DPP and the KMT also changed the way that elections work for the legislature to first mm-hmm. pass the post. Mm-hmm. And of course, their parties were better funded, mm-hmm. and they had candidates that were more likely to win in first past the post. Mm-hmm. And that was the other thing mm-hmm. that kind of killed mm-hmm. off the mm-hmm. People's First Party. So let's talk about number two then. Like, let's go in order. Right. So number two is Lai Qingde. Right. Um, interestingly, he's also uh, in the medical profession. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike a lot of countries, which generally go with lawyers, Taiwan actually has a lot of politicians who have a medical yeah. background. Yeah, and, that's right. Um, and I, I haven't heard of that being a very common thing overseas. It seems like Taiwan is a, a des- de- definitely a disproportionate number of former medical professionals mm. uh, in politics. Yeah. Um, and you'll even see, you know, doctors being consulted their political opinion online and they get followings for their political punditry, oh. which is, you know, um, hard to imagine, say, in North America. Yes. You know. Right. Um, so what does orthopedic doctor Bob <laughs> Jones think, you know, yeah, <laughs> it yeah, wouldn't yeah. occur to anyone, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Huh. Um, so he um, he became. He started out off in politics in the 1990s mm-hmm. and sort of rose up and, you know, won various elections. And interestingly, he's never lost a public election. Oh, interesting. He did lose in the DPP primary mm-hmm. to Tsai Ing-wen in 2019. Mm-hmm. But in a, a in a general election, he's never once lost. Oh, interesting. Um, and that's, mm. going, that's a record going all the way back into the 1990s. Now, very famously, as the mayor of Tainan City. There was this situation where the speaker position was clearly a bought-off position. Mm. And Lai refused to, you know, go because they have the Q&A sessions, you know, between the mayor and the city councilors. And Lai refused to attend until this was dealt with. Because oh. he refused to deal with a corrupt mm. city council. And so this standoff went on for a while. Um, but eventually there were convictions handed down for corruption. 
And then he started speaking to them again. Now, he was actually censored by the control UN for this, oh. um, you know, for dereliction of duty. But it was mm. actually quite popular with the public, mm -hmm. you know, that he took a firm stand mm -hmm. against corruption and battling, you know, the city council of his own right. city. Interesting. So he picked up the nickname then Lai Shen, which is the God Lai. <laughs> he was so popular. Now, uh, then he went on to challenge uh, Tsai Ing-wen in the, you know, the presidential primary in 2019. Mm -hmm. And this was brutal. It was a very, very brutal political fight. Mm. Because then both sides came out of it looking kind of dirty. Um, Lai had prom now he had been made premier mm -hmm. uh, by Tsai Ing-wen mm -hmm. in the Tsai Ing-wen administration mm -hmm. and he had served as premier mm -hmm. and during that time he had promised he would not challenge her in the primary publicly then he launches a book and launches his candidacy right after a disastrous election. Well, okay, so there was a disastrous loss in the local elections. Mm -hmm. Tsai Ing-wen was the party chair. Mm -hmm. Her popularity was, you know, let's just say low because we can't talk about the polls, mm -hmm. even though this is years yeah, ago. Sure. But anyway, uh, I don't want to yeah, take yeah, the risk. So cool. let's just say it was her lowest point ever. Mm -hmm. um, and... She was in really in a bad position. She had to resign as the party chair right, to I accept. Remember all this, right? Okay, so, uh, so she resigned as chair to take responsibility mm -hmm. for this massive mm -hmm. loss in local mm -hmm. elections. Mm -hmm. Lai tried to resign as premier, but he was convinced to stay on for a month and a half, if memory serves, to sometime mm -hmm. in January from mm -hmm. the November elections. Mm -hmm. And then he launched a book. So obviously, he'd been planning mm -hmm. this. <laughs> And his primary challenge to Tsai. Mm. And he did it giving her very little time to fight back. His timing was just, I mean, stick, talk about sticking the knife in. There was a very short amount of time and she hadn't been doing any campaigning yet mm. because the presidential election was far away. And generally speaking, you know, an incumbent president doesn't face a primary challenger, mm -hmm. right? So he launched this attack on her, and it was like a week or two or something before the primary was supposed to be held. Oh, I see. Yeah. So what did the party do? They delayed the primary, and then they delayed it again. So what this did, because Lai was going to kill her, Tsai then went into campaign mode and she started going out, you know, building up support. This bought her the time to corral the, the troops and, you know, get, get everyone back on her side. And they, then they had a debate and she, she mopped the floor with life, frankly, in that one. Um, and she beat Lai in the primary. Now, obviously, things were extremely tense between the two. Sure. The party was split. Mm -hmm. Even the new tied faction, of which mm -hmm. Lai was a part mm -hmm. he blindsided them. And so they were kind of, you know, caught off guard. Okay. So 
you know, and Lai is a member of the New Tide faction. Right. And they're famously disciplined and, you know, he blindsided them. Um, you know, some of them were like, you know, I mean, they, they basically were just like, they're running around with like chickens with their heads cut off. Um, you know, some were going supporting lies, some were supporting Thai, yeah. some were throwing their hands up in the air. Oh my God, party unity, party unity. Yeah. Um, and then others just sort of ran for the hills and buried their heads uh-huh. in the sand. Like, I don't know what's going on, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so now by taking the premier job, his nickname of the god Lai has been used less since then. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because the premier is often kind of used as a punching bag. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a kind of a punching bag position, meaning that the president is kind of above the fray. Mm-hmm. And then and is supposed to handle things like defense and, you know, foreign policy. Mm-hmm. But. The president also has a lot of influence, of course, over the cabinet and appoints the premier. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an unusual arrangement. Mm-hmm. But in theory, the premier is taking care of all domestic policy, running day to day things, mm-hmm. managing mm-hmm. the cabinet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if the government is doing things that are unpopular, the first line of defense is blame the premier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Um, but he still remained popular. Yeah. N- not quite to the godlike status mm-hmm. as before, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he's consistently been uh, one of the most popular politicians in the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, up until about the end of last year, though, the most popular politician in the country for years, mm-hmm. for several years running, in poll after poll after poll, I'm just talking in general sure, here, not sure. specific ones, okay. but sure. Hoyoi was the most popular politician in the country. Hoyoi. Interesting. The KMT came today. Okay. Okay. And then, event, well, eventually then Lai Jindo became vice president too, right? Yeah. So that's, an, that's a story. Um, so Lai and Tsai, I mean, obviously there was some bad blood here. Yeah. But eventually, in the interest of party unity... They were brought together on a unity ticket. Mm-hmm. But frankly, for a long time, uh, when Lai was vice president, like the first year or two, he was clearly in the doghouse. Yeah. Um, you know, he was given tasks. I mean, he was basically just a ribbon cutter, you know. <laughs> Finally, in, you know, after a while, he started, and I think Tsai realized that she needed to groom him for the future of the party. And that having him cut ribbons at little events is <laughs> probably not the best thing for the party. Right. So she started giving him more weighty roles, you know, including diplomatic trips yeah, right. and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. So that he could build up some foreign policy credentials right, right. and so right, on and so right, forth. Right. So, so, yeah. Um, you know, so and they on the surface now their relationship looks like it's fine. Yeah, especially Which that may uh, or may not be the case. <laughs> well, they did it for the camera, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a recent commercial, the on the road yeah. concept, where they're on this road trip, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, pretty interesting. There were some telling yeah. things there, though, yeah. in that video. Um, and then there was a weird bit where Ty was going on about, like, what if I had a 
yeah. ear cut off and I had yeah. both ears cut off. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was that weird interchange where it was, you know, when Lai asked her, like, well, what did, what did you think of me? And oh, she's like, oh, yeah. you're, you're more fierce than I expected. Yes. And I, I thought that was weird. It was like they didn't know each other in a way, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it's, it's an extremely popular video. It did yes. really, really well. Yes. And most of it, I felt, was kind of touching mm-hmm. and well done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there was some really weird bits so you in there. That was a little bit off. Okay. And, yeah. 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 Um, but, I mean, they may actually get along reasonably well now yeah, just yeah. simply because mm-hmm. water under the bridge, yeah. Ty's not yeah. running again, yeah. you know, lies the obvious heir apparent. Mm-hmm. You know, he ran unopposed to be mm-hmm. DPP party chair, right. ran unopposed to become the presidential nominee. You know, it's it's him. Yeah, He's yeah. the guy. Yeah. So getting yeah. along, you know. Maybe it's through gritted teeth, maybe not, but, you know, they have to work together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Interesting. You already mentioned number three, uh, Hoyoi, right? Yeah. Now, he, he, his background is as a police officer. Yes. Right. Now, he was the commanding officer in 1989. This Mm -hmm. is the last few years of the authoritarian one-party state yes. era. Yes. So Nylon Dung, Zhang Nanrong, mm-hmm. um, he was a free speech Taiwan independence activist. Mm-hmm. And he in pro he was going to be arrested. Mm-hmm. I think again. Um, and his publication was constantly being censored mm-hmm. and all of this. So what he did is he barricaded himself in his office. Right. The police went to arrest him and, want, and tried to kick down the door, mm-hmm. and he self-immolated. Mm-hmm. The commanding officer at the door trying to knock it down was Hoyoi. Now, there's some conspiracy theories about this, which I don't, I don't really buy. Um, I think Ho just happened to be the police officer that mm-hmm. was ordered to go do this. Right. You know, I, I don't think he had personal interest one way or another. He's, you know, go arrest this guy. Okay. Yes, yeah. sir. You know. Right. Um, but he was also involved in the Chen Jingxing case, which was probably the most dramatic case in the 1990s. I mean, wow. So, a a group of guys kidnapped the daughter and later it looked like they probably raped her and tortured her mm-hmm. and all kinds of horrible things. Mm-hmm. The daughter of uh, a famous entertainer by mm-hmm. Bing Bing. Yes. And anyway, the daughter's body turned up later mm-hmm. anyway. So, mm-hmm. but these guys were on the run mm-hmm. and one by one they got caught mm-hmm. or shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last remaining one was Chen Jingxing. Mm-hmm. And he became, now this is very, very weird. I mean, the guy was obviously a sick man. Yeah. Um, but he became kind of like this popular folk hero, which mm-hmm. kind of says something about Taiwan society has changed an awful mm-hmm. lot since then. Yes. And there were all these stories going around. I mean, he was sleeping with all these women while he was on the run. And, yeah, you know, right. 
and they were happy to, you know, anyway. Yeah. So, you know, after some shootouts, he, <laughs> this is crazy. So he decides that he's going to take a family hostage. And very specifically, the family that he wants to hold hostage is a South African family hmm. who worked at the embassy, at the then embassy, mm -hmm. but South Africa mm -hmm. had just mm -hmm. announced that they were going to sever ties. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't the ambassador. He was, forget, uh, naval attache or something okay. like that, right? Um, you can look it up. I forget the exact yeah, sure. title he had. Sure. but um, And so he goes into the house, takes them hostage. Now, his reason was he wanted to kidnap a hello, meaning a foreigner. Oh. <laughs> he got okay. hello. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A hello. Right? <laughs> that was his term for foreigner. Okay. Obviously, I remember that being yeah. a hello myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> so... Um, anyway, so there was this long standoff there, there, well, one person did get shot, but Hoyoe was the one handling the negotiations, okay. trying to get him out. Mm. Uh, interestingly, Frank Scheer, mm -hmm. uh, also got involved in this, mm -hmm. who later ran for president mm -hmm. for the, on the DPP mm -hmm. side. Yep. He was also premier for a long mm -hmm. time. He's now the de facto ambassador to Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, so Hoyoe was the commanding officer trying mm -hmm. to handle the negotiations. Mm -hmm. And they were eventually successful. Um, one person was wounded, but eventually they got him out. Now, the press kept tying up the phone. Mm. This is pre-internet. Mm. Right. Know. Yeah, the 90s. But the, the, one of the controversies is the press kept clogging up the phone line. So that whole, uh, you know, and doing trying trying to negotiate had a lot of trouble getting through. Wow. Um, but anyway, eventually that was successfully mm. brought to a conclusion. Mm. Ho later became the top cop in the country. Might have been then. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was yet. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. he was in the area or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, again, you can look it up. This was a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, sure. Um, he became the top police officer in the country. He was courted actually mm -hmm. by Chen Suibian about possibly joining the DPP and becoming mm -hmm. a, a DPP politician, mm -hmm. which he turned down. Mm -hmm. He had been a KMT member when he was young, mm -hmm. 70s or 80s or something, mm -hmm. but he let the membership lapse. Mm -hmm. um, and he was in charge uh, when the assassination attempt uh, for in the 20, 2004 election mm -hmm. Uh, against Chen Suibian and uh, Annette Lee. Uh -huh. uh, so he was involved in that one. Hmm. So pretty much all these really big, yeah. high-profile cases. Yeah. So he became quite well-known. Right, right. So Eric Chu, um, who was the mayor of Taipei County, huh. and then uh, they murdered, they put it together into, called renamed it New Taipei City, right. which in, incidentally, that was Eric Chu's doing. They originally planned to call it Shimbei mm. and just transliterate mm. the Chinese mm. name. Anyway, just a little yeah, yeah. side note. Bit, yeah. <laughs> so um, Eric Ju then 
originally Taipei County Commissioner, but now new Taipei City Mayor. So because of the size of the city, mm-hmm. by population, you're allotted a certain number of vice mayors. Mm-hmm. And he picked Hoyui, who accepted. Mm-hmm. Then um, Eric Ju ran for president in mm-hmm. the 2015-2016 mm-hmm. election. Mm-hmm. And so he took a leave of absence mm-hmm. to run for president mm-hmm. and appointed Hoyui as the interim mayor. Right, right. Then term limited out, uh, Eric Ju uh, had to step down, and then the KMT ran Hoyui, and he won. And he then he was reelected with a pretty solid margin mm-hmm. in the last mm-hmm. election. Mm-hmm. Now, there is some controversy because he was only elected last November and then took his second oath of office mm-hmm. on December 25th mm-hmm. and then started running for president only a few months later. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember, there was a lot of controversy in 2019 mm-hmm. when Hang Guoyu was yes. elected. Kaohsiung mayor, and then a few months later. Yes. Now, Ho, Ho's counter-argument mm-hmm. is that with all of his time as deputy mayor and as mayor, he has, you know, and he's also served one term. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Whereas uh, Han Guoyu had, you know, Daniel yes. Han Guoyu, he'd been in office for just a few months. Yes. This was his first election. Yeah. He hadn't served any other yeah. civil service yeah. posts yeah. in Kaohsiung mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. So uh, the whole camp is saying that, no, I've really put in the work and, and all of that. Right. Um, so, no, how you feel about this tends to be partisan. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, was, yeah. Is this, is this reasonable like for him to do or not? Yeah. It doesn't seem like he's gotten that much backlash about that, right? Not too much. Yeah. But, I mean, that's definitely been a fairly regular line of attack yeah. against him. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's interesting, the comparison between, like, what happened with Hanko Yu and then now Hoyoi. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he, I think part of the reason he was so popular is he was an atypical KMT politician. Okay. He didn't always toe the party line, which is very interesting. Uh-huh. Um, And so he would, for example, the party would say, do a flag-raising ceremony, and then he wouldn't. <laughs> but he would post some, you know, flags. I love the ROC yeah. on National yeah. Day. Okay. On Instagram, right? Oh, okay. Um, you know, he happily attended President Tsai's inauguration, mm-hmm. saying it's mm-hmm. an honor, um, and this is the president. Mm-hmm. Whereas a bunch of other KMT politicians boycotted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he did, you know, things like this uh, mm-hmm. during the referendum. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was four referendum. Mm-hmm. Uh, questions asked during the, during the that vote, he basically put posted up on Facebook. You know the party line, you know the DPP, you know had four yeses and KMT had four noes. It was the other way around anyway? <laughs> um, but you know there was a straight party line, and he posted up on Facebook that everyone should make up their own mind, which infuriated a lot of people in the KMT. Mm-hmm. So. He built something of an independent um, image. However, mm-hmm. that's all out the window. Yes. We know that, yeah, since he's been running for president. Yeah. Well, he he clearly didn't know very much about foreign policy or China 
So he's basically taking Mainja's path lock, stock, and barrel. Mm -hmm. He has repeatedly said, I'm just going to follow the Mainja mm -hmm. path mm -hmm. on relations with China. Mm -hmm. He wants to revive the cross-strait services pact that Ma mm -hmm. negotiated, mm -hmm. which would open up things like, because there's no real clear distinction between the government and the private sector in mm -hmm. China. So it, if that pact had gone through, mm -hmm. they could have bought out, you know, they could buy out media. They were allowed to do yeah. that. They were allowed to buy publishing right. houses, movie right. theaters. And this would just been the, the United Front would have just had a field day, <laughs> you know. Um, and now he's talking about reviving this. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a little bit unclear whether it would be a renegotiated mm -hmm. version or whether it would be the same. Zhao mm -hmm. Kang, his mm -hmm. vice presidential candidate, I mm -hmm. believe, said some things about, you know, there would be some controversial a aspects would be addressed. The problem that Ho had had is, I, I don't know if you watched, but the support levels mm -hmm. Ko was a little bit ahead of Ho for a mm -hmm. long time, mm -hmm. and then they were sort of bouncing around mm -hmm. pretty pretty mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. with each other. Right. And then two things happened, and this was the week of the negotiation uh, with Ko and the TPP. Right. The KMT or the Ho campaign made two strategic moves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people, because Ho's support suddenly jumped significantly. Yeah. Right. Now, a lot of people think that had to do with Ko not looking good in the go right, negotiations. Right, right. I don't buy that. That mm -hmm. may have been a small, mm -hmm. a small element. Mm -hmm. I think the real, the real thing that that made the difference is uh, the party announced two things. They were going to put a Dan Hangguoyu right on the party list mm -hmm. for the legislature mm -hmm. in the number one slot. Mm -hmm. And when the KMT mm -hmm. does that traditionally, mm -hmm. that means they want him to be the speaker of the legislature. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> to say yeah. the least. And they took one of the co-founders of the new party mm -hmm. and and Deep Blue. He's also the guy who founded the Blue Fighters, uh, a grouping of primarily, not entirely, but kind of Deep Blue mm -hmm. uh, camteers and politicians, a lot of them based in the North and a lot of them from 49er families mm -hmm, that fled mm -hmm. the Chinese civil mm -hmm. war. And he's also a major media personality and owns the broadcasting corporation right. of China. He has a TV right. show on TVBS. Right. Right. Um, so both him and Hang Guoyu have big followings within right. the KMT. So what happened is, is that after those two decisions were made, the support from within the KMT mm -hmm. jumped dramatically. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the, that explains the rise in the poll. I think that's yeah. really where, where mm -hmm. that was. I can't talk about the numbers, but let's of just course, say it yeah. was dramatic. Right. He had right. low support uh, prior to those two decisions being made and very high support yeah. after those two decisions were made. And now for a short break. Talking Taiwan is the longest-running Taiwan-related podcast and currently the only independently produced Taiwanese-American English-language podcast in the world that covers political news related to Taiwan. And we're getting ready to take this show on the road back to Taiwan in January to cover Taiwan's presidential election and to interview some special guests while we're there. We're calling it the Talking Taiwan Election Tour, and we'd like to thank all of our generous 
generous donors and supporters who have helped us to reach our first fundraising goal of $5,000, which will be doubled to $10,000 by Patrick Huang. This means that we are nearly halfway to reaching our overall fundraising goal of $25,000. We'll be working with seasoned political commentator Courtney Donovan Smith, who will be sharing his analysis of Taiwan's presidential candidate debate. In fact, that will be our first episode of the new year. In January, we'll be headed to Taiwan, where we'll be meeting with Courtney in Taichung for some pre-election coverage. And then, of course, there will also be a post-election discussion episode. There's still time for you to support the Talking Taiwan election tour. Help us get the show on the road by making a contribution to our GoFundMe campaign or at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support. We thank you for your support. You make what we do possible. So, yeah, so you brought up Joshua Kong. So I thought we could also talk about the vice presidential candidates, right? And then maybe tell my listeners a little bit about also, because you we mentioned that he was involved with the new party, right? And, uh, yeah, Joshua yeah, Kong. Yeah. Yeah, so he was one of the co-founders of the new right, party. Right, uh, He ran for Taipei mayor mm-hmm. under the banner of the new mm-hmm, party. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it is worth keeping in mind that while the, the party today is associated with being Way, 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 way back past blue tinted deep red. Yes, you know they want to, they want to reunify with China, mm-hmm. you know, quickly. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. very, very tied in with China. Mm-hmm. In the 1990s, when the party was founded, and Zhao Shaokang was called the golden boy of of politics because he he was very popular. He was rising really fast in the mm-hmm. ranks of KMT. Mm-hmm. Now, he and some others founded the new party, and initially, actually, it was a very popular party. Mm-hmm. You know, they won a lot of legislative seats. Hmm. Um, it was easier in those days because mm-hmm. it wasn't first past the post mm-hmm. voting, mm-hmm. but but they were kind of viewed. I mean, like the KMT, they were pro unification yeah. someday, anyway. Mm-hmm. But they. They were initially perceived actually as being kind of a cleaner KMT, less corrupt KMT, mm. more mm. ideologically sure. pure mm. okay, KMT. Okay, right. I can see that. Then in the late 90s, so in 94, 96, 94, um, uh, he ran for Taipei mayor uh, and lost to Chen Suibian in a three-way race. He was representing mm-hmm. the new party. Mm-hmm. And he eventually quit the party, and the party started falling to pieces as there was right. tons of infighting. Right. And the pro, really deeply pro China faction mm-hmm. won out, mm-hmm. and then they kind of faded into mm-hmm. near irrelevance, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is where they're at today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he pursued his whole media career. Right. right. So right. now he's very eloquent. He's mm-hmm. a very smart guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, uh, he appeared on the Night Night show with Hello. They've changed. It's mm-hmm. no longer Brian hosting mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he said that he did believe in, in uh, unification with China, but he said that because the systems are too different right now mm-hmm. and, you know, China's communist, he said he's talking about in decades or centuries. Mm-hmm. Or... Mm-hmm. So um, interesting. that's what he's saying now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so th- that's kind of where he stands. Um, 
he's very, very blunt. He's uh, he's old school 49er. Yeah. And what I mean by this, even though he speaks with a Taiwanese accent, which is very interesting, um, is that there was a time when you could culturally see a very sharp difference between 49ers and people whose families had been here for hundreds right. of years. Um, and there was, you know, because they were very, very self-assertive, mm-hmm. very confident, kind of brash, mm-hmm. um, kind of, I guess, like white men in America. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, if you make an analogy. So. Um, you know, that, just that sort of easy yeah. self-confidence, sure. you know. And so he he often makes these comments, you know, like, you know, if I run for president, of course I'd win. He is extremely high self-confidence and isn't afraid to tell you. Okay. Right. right. Um, So, yeah. So that's him. Yeah. Okay. So I guess moving backwards and lighting to his uh, running mate, uh, B. Kim Shao. Can you tell us a little bit about what her background is? Okay, so she was born in Japan mm-hmm. of a Taiwanese father and an American mother. Mm-hmm. Now, her mother was the music teacher mm-hmm. at a seminary or theological mm-hmm. school for Presbyterians mm-hmm. in Tainan. Mm-hmm. And I think the father was headmaster, supervisor, mm-hmm. whatever title, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you actually look at her name... Her given name yes. means beautiful musical instrument. So uh, that, I assume, comes from her mother. Hmm. I only noticed that just recently, believe it or not. So, she, you know, she obviously speaks excellent English, mm-hmm. but she also speaks um, Hokkien, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Taiwanese Hokkien, mm-hmm. and, and Mandarin, mm-hmm. um, yes. all three quite well. Yes. Uh, she you know, spent some time in the U.S., had U.S. nationality mm-hmm. until about 2002 mm-hmm. uh, when she got into politics mm-hmm. because you can't have dual nationality. Right. So she lost her U.S. nationality in 2002, she said. So. Okay. And because she has served as a legislator and yes. held various roles in yes. government, that would have been vetted a long time ago. So mm-hmm. we know that's the mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, After f- serving in various roles – she was tapped uh, as the uh, de facto U.S. ambassador, mm-hmm. and by pretty much all accounts, mm-hmm. uh, she's done an, a, a superb job. Mm-hmm. The Americans love her. Mm-hmm. Even opposition parties think she's done a good job. Oh, okay. Um, you know, Cynthia Wu, for example, has said some nice things mm-hmm. about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other two uh, camps, by the way, said that they will follow Tsai's foreign policy, mm. which doesn't include China. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's actually held in high regard. Mm-hmm. Ma Jo has said that, you know, that she's really ready for politics and she's very, I forget his exact wordings, but basically he said she's, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but right. basically she's a political powerhouse and she's ready. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so he uh, thinks she's, uh, you know, is a very talented mm-hmm. politician. Mm-hmm. And um, he's not somebody who's going to praise anyone on the TPP te- te- yeah, very really often, that's for yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's very re- well-rounded in the sense that she's served in the legislature, mm-hmm. in the executive branch. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so she knows dom- she's strong on domestic issues. She's also strong on international issues. She has a, a lot of experience in running in elections, but she can also negotiate with powerful figures in Washington, D.C. So she's kind of the whole package. Yeah. Um, she's the only thing is she's not as experienced as lie in electoral politics to the same degree he right. is. Right. So, you know, it, Lie does make sense as being at the top of the ticket. He mm-hmm. does have more experience mm-hmm. in the party with the factions mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. than she does. Mm-hmm. But for a vice presidential candidate, she's excellent. And uh, I think, you know, a little bit more experience. And I think she'd be an excellent mm-hmm. presidential candidate mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, for her sheer capability. Interestingly, she's not the only uh, vice presidential candidate this cycle whose parents were mixed race. Or her, mm-hmm. her parents were different races. The, right, the candidate that was that yeah. is a mixed race person. So Tammy Lai, mm-hmm. uh, who was the vice presidential candidate before uh, for Terry Go before yes. he dropped out. Yes, she had an American father right. and a Taiwanese mother. Right. Um, and then interestingly, Cynthia Wu, the mm-hmm. TPP's candidate, mm-hmm. is married to a Belgian man, mm-hmm. a Baron of all things, oh. and they have a kid together. Okay. So this seems to be kind of a recurring theme in this election, which I don't think this has happened in any other election before. Although, you know, Taiwan, of course, is, you know, part indigenous, part Hakka, part basically everything in Taiwan. But, you know, mixed with foreigners is kind of the thing that you don't see as much here. Right, right. Yeah. And so let's talk about Cynthia Wu since you mentioned her, right? So now she's been beat up by the press a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. I think personally, I think a little bit unfairly. Okay. Um, now, she comes from a wealthy family, the Xing Kong yes. uh, family. Yes. And so, of course, the press immediately dubbed her the Xing Kong princess. Sure. Yeah. Um, now, it's true. She does come across as a little bit arrogant, a little bit haughty, um, and a little bit out of touch because mm. <laughs> she grew up so wealthy. Mm. Um, and, but I, I think she's a little bit better than people give her credit for. There was an incident where a reporter asked her, did you ask your parents for approval to run for vice president? Uh-huh. And Wu snapped at the reporter. Yeah. Did you ask your parents to become a reporter? <laughs> but then the, this is the part that the, the most of the press clips cut out. Mm-hmm. And she went on and talked about how demeaning this is to ask an adult woman did you ask your parents for permission for mm-hmm. something? And I thought mm-hmm. she actually had a point. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I thought it was a really snotty question mm-hmm. on the part mm-hmm. of the reporter. Yeah. Right. But that being said, she does come across as out of touch mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like what comments has she made her? Oh, I mean, partly it's just the way that she kind of holds herself. Okay. Um, yeah. Partly it's in some of the things that she said, mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. growing up and, you know, oh, and we drink Johnny Walker and, you know, <laughs> um, she speaks kind of this flawless Taipei Mandarin. Mm-hmm. She also speaks excellent English. Mm-hmm. Uh, she dresses very nicely, I think. Yeah, I'm, not a, yeah. I'm not a great fashion expert, yeah, yeah. but it has kind of a subdued elegance mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, taste mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. my limited knowledge. She lived overseas. She actually uh, worked for a conservative MP mm-hmm, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she does have a fair bit of uh, overseas experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, you know, had some dealings with the U.S. government as well. She's, 
And but she's only been a one. She's only been a legislator mm -hmm. for about a year. Okay. When Tsaibiru stepped down mm -hmm. uh, over questions of plagiarism of mm -hmm. her thesis, right. uh, she was called up next on mm -hmm. the party list. Mm -hmm. You know, she was the next name on the mm -hmm. list, so she was brought okay. in. Okay. So she has no election experience. Right. And she doesn't have that much political experience. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. The TPP is so much smaller and they don't have mm -hmm. the depth of field right. of potential candidates right. that the TPP and right. the KNT right. have. I actually think, you know, if she sticks with politics, mm -hmm. works on her presentation, mm -hmm. I think she might actually be pretty good sure. in a few years. Sure. Uh, she, but she just doesn't have the experience. Yeah, for, Both for a vice president position. Yeah, I mean, Josh Kong and Shambi uh, Kim both have decades of experience, mm -hmm. and she just was totally outclassed. Right, right. I thought she did okay considering her lack of experience. Right. Oh, so now you're, you're debate, talking about the debate. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the debate. I thought, yeah. you know, I mean, it wasn't terrible. The policy presentation, she was a bit mm -hmm. worse. Can we talk a little bit about the unity ticket between the TPP and the KMT that fell apart? Okay. So there had been a talk going on starting, I guess— late spring, early summer, because the problem was, is that the non or anti DPP mm -hmm. vote was being split three ways. Right. Right. You had Terry Go mm -hmm. uh, running as an independent. Mm -hmm. You had Hoyoi running mm -hmm. as the KMT candidate. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, you had Coenza as the TPP candidate. Uh, there was some very weird incident. <laughs> At one point... Terry Go got really drunk and met up with Coenza, and he talked about, used this expression of undying love. And I mean, it was just like all kind of a little bit bizarre. Yeah. Right. Um, but the two did, did at the time seem to get, seem to genuinely like, like each other. And um, they'd known <laughs> each other from before this. Um, okay. But they expressed a lot of admiration for each other. But then it, it took a while for any actual serious negotiations to take place. Mm -hmm. But then there were these discussions between the KMT and the TPP. Right. And this was, it was kind of just bizarre. Um, but finally, there, there was a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. Um. And yeah, mind Joe got involved, and because it looked like it was just going to go nowhere, right? And but finally, because the KMT they wanted their format mm -hmm. for how to decide it, mm -hmm. and they all their proposals were like, oh, "We need you know people to vote in a primary," mm -hmm. um, and that's not the way primaries are normally done in Taiwan these days. They're usually done by opinion polling. Ke said he wanted it done by opinion polling, like normal primaries are done mm -hmm. done here mm -hmm. now each one favored the other the kmt has this massive get out the vote ground game that they mm -hmm. can rely on mm -hmm. which you know the much smaller taiwan people's party just doesn't have access to but opinion polling at the time koenza was leading hoyoi in the opinion polls mm -hmm. now finally they they had a meeting and in the meeting was mind joe who was acting as the broker here. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, KMT party chair, uh, Eric Chu, mm-hmm. and Ho Yoi, and they were meeting with Coenza. And then, of course, they had a bunch of staffers. Well, <laughs> um, the KMT kind of outmaneuvered Ku. And what they did is they said, well, we just want to meet the four of us alone. And by doing that, got all the staffers out of the room. And then the three of them basically ganged up on Ku. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So eventually what happened is they kind of wore him down. Now, he'd made an offer that if he won by just within the margin of error, then he would uh, then he would let Hope be at the top of the ticket and then he'd mm-hmm. be the vice presidential mm-hmm. candidate. But anyway, they sort of badgered him, badgered him, and finally he agreed. And when he went, you know, and but the thing was, and he, this is how he described it himself mm-hmm. afterward. Mm-hmm. He said eventually, you know, they just kept going and going and going. And finally he was just like, okay, fine, okay, fine, 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 fine. What did he agree to? So they were going to do a, some opinion polls. Right. If he only won by the margin of error, mm-hmm. then he would he would still let Ho be at the right. top of the ticket. Right. Then everything fell to pieces mm-hmm. because the KMT said, oh, well, that means they they sort of disputed this a little bit, but it, it sounded more or less like what they were trying to do is 3% plus or minus, which is a six-point spread. Right, right. Right? And Co went, whoa, that's too big of a spread. Yes. Right? Yeah. So Terry Go comes, <laughs> and then he tries to set up a meeting between all of them. And then there was this comedy of errors where the, all the people were showing up at different places. And, you know, and KMT didn't want to meet at Terry Go's house, but they're waiting for him there. And then there, you know, someone went to the Mind Jail Foundation <laughs> waiting there. And then finally they booked a room at the Hyatt Hotel. Uh-huh. And what happened next they had this um, one side, I think it was, I f- actually forget which side this was, but so Terry Go has brokered this, sure. right? And they've got this room, but they, one side insisted doing it publicly, these negotiations, mm. mm-hmm. which sounds, I think it might have actually been the KMT, but this sounds more in character for Co. Mm. I'd have to go back and check. I, for some reason, I'm flaking here, but anyway. So at the end of the day, the decision was made to keep the meeting public at the Hyatt Hotel in front of all these reporters. And it was a disaster. Yeah. Um, it just turned nasty. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I mean, at one point, you know, <clears throat> Ho was reading Ku's messages. Now, well, Ho asked Ku before, said, can I read your messages? Oh. And this is about Terry Go. <clears throat> oh. Right. And Ku had messaged Ho that they're going to have to come up with some formula, a face-saving formula for Terry Go. But the whole thing sounded really wow. condescending wow. to Go, who yes. obviously was really upset about oh this. And then boy. Go gets up and just like, the, anyway, so the negotiations are going on. And then Go just gets up and leaves. Um, I mean, it was just bizarre. <laughs> there was this incident where, they, Terry Go, 
uh, one of his, his, his spokesperson, um, was dominating the mic for some reason. Huh. And this woman from the KMT side, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, came over and they started like fighting over the mic <laughs> and the, and while she was trying to get the mic from him, he later accused her of trying to sexually harass him. Oh, wow. In the struggle for yeah, the mic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and anyway, so she just finally went up to the stage and, you know, grabbed one of the candidates' mics and started speaking into it. Wow. And there was like these back and forth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it yeah. just, there's a whole lot to this. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But these are just some of the highlights. Right. So anyway, it completely yeah. fell apart. This is the night before they all had to register. Oh, right. So it was right on the eve of when they had to register. And, you know, it was, it just completely melted down in this very public and embarrassing way. I asked Courtney about some of the controversies and allegations made about the presidential candidates. There was, there were some allegations made that Ko was directly involved in the organ trade mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. China. Yes. Which, of course, is wildly unethical. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, in a lot of cases, these are taken from political prisoners and Falun Gong yeah, and right. Uyghurs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's, it's a pretty awful practice. Yeah. There, there's a lot of rumor uh, that the top Chinese Communist Party leaders rely on this because you notice mm-hmm. that they tend to live very, to, they're very old. Mm. And so there's this theory going around, and I don't know if it's true or not, mm-hmm. but that the top party leadership relies on these organs donated so that they can live until they're, you know, mm-hmm. in the 90s mm-hmm. or in the mm-hmm. low hundreds. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that's one of the reasons why the recent death of Li Keqiang has been so controversial is, wait, these CCP guys get the best medical care. Now, mm-hmm. that is true. They Everybody knows that for, is mm-hmm. proven. Best hospitals, best doctors, best medical care. Um, and then he dies suddenly, you know, and they send him hospitals are farther mm-hmm. away. And I mean, it's just a lot mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. you know, again, nothing proven. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's a, a, a ton of suspicion about, about Li Keqiang's death out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if it's yeah, true, but, sure. there, uh, but the, 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 that there is a lot of speculation is true. And then is there anything to say about Lai Qingde? Um Well, actually, there, there, there are some other controversies. Uh, let's see, Koenja. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so recently there's been a lot of controversies about property owned by the three candidates. Right. In Koenja's case... He says he bought some land, a parcel of farmland, sight unseen, mm-hmm. which is paved mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. and is rented out to tour bus company. But uh, because of the zoning, you're not actually allowed to pave this over and rent it out for t- tour uh, bus companies. You know, this uh-huh. is you're not supposed to do that. So he basically said, OK, well, I'll tear up the concrete and, you know, that's that. OK. Um, now, when it comes to. Uh, William Lai, his situation is that his family, his father, his grandfather were miners, mm-hmm. a very dirty, mm-hmm. depressing mm-hmm. job. Um, I don't know if you saw Michael Turton's column the other day on this. I did, but I didn't have a chance to read it yet. So I, I strongly yeah. recommend it. So yes. It's actually a really strong okay. piece. Um, okay. I mean, Mike's always great, yes. but this is, yes. this is a real home run. Um, okay. But yeah, and... And his point was fascinating because it actually helped 
uh, the word he used, beautify uh, William Lai, because it actually showed how the just the depths of the poverty and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the, the suffering of the background that he came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he says, you know, the KMT made a big mistake in this. But anyway, the problem is, is that the, the, the Lai family had a little house. Mm-hmm. If you see the pictures, it's not very big. Right. Now, it was built before there were laws governing this. Mm-hmm. However, there may or may not have been some additions and changes made after that. Mm-hmm. And that's where mm-hmm. part of the controversy mm-hmm. is. But also these miners had these, you know, they had these houses, but they're in this weird legal limbo. Mm-hmm. Because they may be the responsibility of like the mining bureau or is mm. it under the city government? Mm. And then there's allegations he didn't pay taxes mm. and he says, no, I did mm. pay taxes. And so there's questions about the legality of the Lie family home that okay. he inherited. Okay. However, just the other day, uh, allegations came out of him property flipping. Hmm. In other words, buying new properties in Tainan mm. just recently mm. and then turning around and then selling them quickly, mm. which the government is mm. kind of trying to crack down. Oh. Now, I don't know if this I, – I, I, haven't, I haven't seen enough substance on this. This is just recently mm. surfaced. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen enough substance to be able to try and get a gauge. Mm. Um, it's it, Certainly when he was doing it, it wasn't illegal, but it mm. was recent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the allegations are accurate, and this mm-hmm. is like 2019 or something mm-hmm. like that, it's mm-hmm. pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Then Hoyoi. Well, actually, you mentioned in the previous episode that you said that uh, they were renting to students mm-hmm. and they're price gouging the students. Yeah, sorry, that's it. Um, yeah, so there's this complex, and then uh, Ho and his wife they bought this complex, mm-hmm. and then they partitioned it into 99 mm-hmm. small units. Which they rented, or they right. rent out to students, mm-hmm. uh, students from a nearby university. Mm-hmm. Now, the rents have been going up by five percent a month, mm-hmm. which is significantly ahead of inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's allegations of them basically kind of gouging the students. Mm-hmm. However, the, their defense is that they outsourced the management of all of this Mm -hmm. to a property management company and this was their doing and it was Mm -hmm. part of the contract. Mm -hmm. And they said that when the contract ends, they will no longer work with this Mm -hmm. company um, and they will stop doing that. Now, of course, everyone's talking about housing justice and trying to get affordable housing, so it doesn't look very good. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if the allegations against lie about the property flipping, again, that doesn't look very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. However, I think one thing that, that should actually be pointed out here is that all of these allegations and all of these things going on are not 100% legal or 100% ethical, maybe, but they're extremely common here. Yes. Right. This is, I mean, I can just look out my window mm. and I can see a ton of illegal structures. Sure. Right. Yeah. Or illegal yeah. add-ons right. to buildings. Right. right. Or things that, you know... P- land that's been paved over and right, shouldn't right, have right, been, right. you know, or, you know, they're building all these new high rises down mm-hmm. there. And of course, mm-hmm. a lot of those are going to be bought and flipped, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of them by yeah. politicians, yeah. you know? Sure. So, well, none of these allegations are necessarily great. They're not uncommon right. things right. in Taiwan. Right. There are a lot of homes mm-hmm. like lies who are, you know, kind of these weird legal limbos. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, I, I kind of feel like these are 
mountains and molehill mm, yeah, here. Sure. Um, other other allegations. Um, the Hoyo E faced this what's called the NN case, mm-hmm. and this was a, during COVID time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a child became very ill mm-hmm. during the COVID yes. period, and they called. Uh, emergency response right, who right. took, I think it was 80 minutes or something oh, to right, show up right. yeah. and the child died. Now, there's not necessarily any proof that that was what caused it, but it certainly looks bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. However, what really got people upset was how Ho responded. Right. He kind of stonewalled the public mm-hmm. and the family mm-hmm. of the, the child. Mm-hmm. And stood up for the city government's mm-hmm. response mm-hmm. and for mm-hmm. the first responders. Mm-hmm. And now this, it, it would be in character for him. I mean, he's an ex-police yes. officer. Yes. And so he's going to naturally want to stand up for the team right. and, right. you know, and show his loyalty to not them. Very public, not very popular with the public, though. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Lai's biggest liabilities um, <laughs> uh, come from there there was a lot of bad blood left over yeah. after the mm-hmm. um the 2019 primary right, against Tsai right, one right. um he's pretty clean mm-hmm. i think all three of them are actually pretty clean okay. and then of course they're throwing out all kinds of other dirt yeah. as well yeah. but they're yeah. Yeah. more just sort of political dirt yeah you know like you're incapable. You're not using your brain. Right, you know right, this kind right, of stuff. Right. Um, those are the ones that have kind of stuck mm-hmm. and gained a bit of traction. That are very specific to them individually. Again, nothing's been proven about yeah. Ke and yeah. the organ right, trafficking. Right. If that were true, that would be genuinely yeah. awful. Any other like? The observations, the things that you want to share that you've seen uh, with this presidential campaign, like, since it's a week before the election? I mean, it's definitely been a wild ride. Yeah. Um, Probably not the most wild ride of any election, but it's definitely been a very interesting one. Yeah. Um, You know, at one point it was a four-way race. Yes. Um, Now it's a three-way race. Yes. Taiwan People's Party is making an impact. Yeah. Um, in the legislature, there's a very good chance that no party will win a majority. Mm-hmm. And I think the TPP will probably win maybe eight to 11 seats. Mm-hmm. So they may be, they, they may be the balance of power. That's definitely mm-hmm. a possibility. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think the DPP is going to maintain their legislative majority. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to drop from the low 60s mm-hmm. uh, to low 50s, maybe mm-hmm. upper 40s. Mm-hmm. And much of that gain is mm-hmm. going to go to the TPP mm-hmm. and the KMT. Interesting, yeah. So the KMT is going to go from the mid to upper 30s. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to, you know, I, I don't know which is going to be bigger, yeah, yeah, the DPP yeah. or the KMT in the incoming right, right, right. legislature. Mm-hmm. Um, some independents might also pull it off yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that we're entering a period that's going to be a little bit more unstable as a yeah. result. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. if, you know, the executive is run by a party and also mm-hmm. they have the legislative right. majority, they can sort right. of move things right. forward. Right. 
that will be much harder for no matter who wins the presidential right. election mm -hmm. because it doesn't look like they're going to have a legislative majority. Yeah. yeah. Although it might still happen. Some, one of them might pull it out. You know? Yeah. There's so many things that have gone on, the twists and turns in this yeah, election, yeah. Um, the ups and downs, mm -hmm. you know, with all the different candidates. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it has been unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, very interesting to mm -hmm. watch. Yeah. I'm very interested to see what the result will be. Yes. If the pollsters are doing a good job, mm -hmm. most of them showed lying first. Ho owned second, mm -hmm. and Kun third. Mm -hmm. But the question, what's interesting, though, is that some polls showed Ku ahead mm -hmm. of Ho. Right. And even one pretty close to Lai. Yeah. Oh. And, I, again, I can't go into the numbers. No. But, but the thing is, is that and outlets that showed their cell phone polling versus their landline polling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big disparities. Yes. So there's yeah. a distinct possibility that Ko's younger base may be undercounted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk of what's called the Chibao Xiaoying, um, which is the dump save effect, which is yes. strategic voting. Right. There's been a lot of talk of Ko's supporters dumping Ko to go for their second. Mm hmm. Um, most liked candidate. Yeah. I don't think they will in large numbers because of, for two reasons. Uh, one is their source of information. Because it's primarily younger supporters, right. they're getting their, their news from social media. Yes. And the TPP has done a very good job of mm -hmm. reaching them this way. Mm -hmm. They don't really follow the traditional media much. Right. So they're going to be getting a, st a steady diet of the positive poll results right, right. from the Kuh camp. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they may still think he is in second place. And maybe he actually is. We don't know. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, that was entering the blackout. And, of course, yeah. things can change during the blackout yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. You know, yeah. we've got this 10-day yeah, yeah, window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think a lot of them are going to dump him at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Some might. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure that's going to happen a little bit. Sure. Um, but I think most will stand by him. And then there's another consideration. Is that a respectable loss by Ku is still something of a victory for yes. TPP supporters. Right. You know, because he's come out of basically nowhere to build yes. a party. And if he can get a respectable result, yes. that says something. Mm-hmm. With the KMT and the DPP, either you win or you lose. Mm -hmm. You know, there's mm -hmm. if you lose, mm -hmm. there's no way to look at that as a victory. Mm. Whereas a decent result for Ko or the TPP yeah. makes right. a statement. Yes. So, so my theory is there's not going to be a large scale strategic vote voting shift away mm -hmm. from Ko. I don't mm -hmm. see that. Interesting. Actually. And then there's differing data on whether they would go for Lai or Ho anyway, even yeah. if they did. We also talked about Terry Goh, the founder of Foxconn, who withdrew from the presidential race. Well, basically his support was abysmal is probably the mm -hmm. primary reason. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, it was clear that 
you know, and then he said, oh, you know, now that I've brought them together for that whole failed meeting, mm -hmm. that was really what I wanted to accomplish, blah, right. you know, but really fundamentally, I mean, he was really low uh, in the polls. Yeah. And I mean, really low. My suspicion is that at the end of the day, he would have taken about four to five percentage points from mm. Kuh and mm. or Ho. Mm. Um, and maybe half a percentage point away from Lai. And I was kind of looking at the end result of the last time James Song ran. I mean, he maintained some support to the end, mm. but it was... Mm what was it, 4% or 5% mm -hmm. or something like that? I mean, he was, mm -hmm. but he was, you know, he was polling it mm -hmm. better than that. Okay. But he lost yeah. a chunk yeah. of his support in the end mm -hmm. to dump save mm -hmm. effect. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, uh, Courtney. Uh, it's always a, you're a wealth of information and in making this clear for my listeners. So hopefully for people who are not really following the election that closely, maybe this is like a little more enlightening for them to know about the background of the candidates. Well, I, I hope it helps. And yeah. thank you so much for coming to Taichung. Yeah. yeah, my I'm pleasure. I'm honored. Yeah, no, it's our pleasure. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, I, I think this is going to be a very interesting election. Yeah. Um, and, you know going to be spending a lot of time looking over the results that's yeah, for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah we look forward to having you back on after we know the results and we could talk a little yeah. bit more about that yeah there's still some big mysteries i mean yeah. you know they don't do a lot of polling on the legislative races mm -hmm. for example only a few key ones so mm -hmm. how that's going to turn mm -hmm. out is yeah. yeah you know i have some estimates but yeah. it's really hard to predict so yeah. i think this is going to be a very interesting race Okay, great. Thank you very much. And thank you. I've been speaking with Courtney Donovan-Smith about Taiwan's 2024 presidential election. If you haven't already done so, I recommend you listen to episode 270 with Courtney about the presidential debate. So what are you waiting for? To support the Talking Taiwan election tour, visit TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support or share this episode with a friend. Now it's time for you to show us some love. Rate us on Spotify or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There we'll list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.